on today's episode of May the Record Reflect. We talk about the silver linings of the pandemic. I think now more than ever before, we all have this, we are one firm no matter where you are physically located mentality. We've been fortunate to hire approximately 10 attorneys during the pandemic. And we laugh because they're physically sitting in Ohio, Michigan. They have yet to be in the physical space of one of our core offices. And it doesn't matter anymore. When you're a practicing attorney at these larger firms, you cross staff on deal teams and you work with people in other offices. But it sometimes takes a while to get integrated and exposed to the people in the other offices. And that timeline, that on-ramp to have exposure and work together has just really been eviscerated. We are just all in it now. And everything we do, we think of in terms of everybody participating. I was really pleased recently, as last week actually, the chair of our firm sent an email to employees and to attorney types. Uh, for the attorneys and associates, student associates and technical specialists at our firm, the management committee offered a 50-hour billable credit to those who needed to take time for caregiving. Very broadly defined to include childcare, helping kids with their virtual learning and virtual schooling, to caring for people who might have uh, suffered some type of illness related to COVID. And I think those long-term initiatives like that, uh, or the understanding and empathy that the leadership can show goes a long way towards longer-term retention and loyalty of the firm. That was Amy Hancock and Tim Henderson, and this is May the Record Reflect. Welcome to the monthly podcast of the National Institute for Trial Advocacy. I'm your host, Marcy Buckmelter, and today we're going to be talking about legal professional development in the time of COVID. And who better to hash that out with me than a couple of friends from the PDC, the Professional Development Consortium. The PDC is a national association of professionals at law firms, government agencies, corporations, and law schools who oversee the training and continuing professional development programs for the lawyers at their organizations. With me today are Amy Hancock and Tim Henderson. Amy is the Director of Legal Talent and Human Resources at McDowell Hetherington, a top-flight litigation law firm with offices in Houston, where Amy is based, Dallas-Fort Worth, Oakland, and Boca Raton. Tim is joining Amy and me from Washington, D.C., where he is the Chief Recruitment and Professional Development Officer at Finnegan, Henderson, Faribault, Garrett, and Dunner. Finnegan is one of the world's largest law firms specializing in intellectual property law. Amy and Tim, thank you for making time for Nita today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Marcy. Thanks, Marcy. So we've all heard the term, go big or go home, and goodness knows we're all already home, so let's go big with our opening topic. And I'll start with you, Amy. How is COVID affecting career development? Well, you want a big answer, Marcy? How is it not affecting (laughs) career development? Um, No, it's affecting every aspect of people's careers at this time. And I'm glad we're doing this podcast because I think we'll share some really helpful tools, tips, and resources with people on how to help their attorneys 
as these career development challenges face each other. All right. Tim, I assume that's the same answer you've got too, is that it's no matter where in the world you are, things are very challenging for legal professionals right now. I think that's right. I know we'll touch on this a bit down the road. There are some uh, opportunities, I think, that have been presented by COVID as well in terms of professional development, career development. Uh, But a lot of the uh, ways in which our attorneys have been taking things for granted in terms of walking down the hall to get mentorship or uh, the camaraderie that they develop with their peers and with their partner advisors and mentors uh, has been switched up and, and scrambled. And so the opportunities, I think, are 10, 15-fold, but we'll get into that a little bit. It's just different in a virtual world how people can approach their professional and career development. Yeah, it really is very different, to say the least. So, Tim, let's start out then, since we're all working from home now, I wonder if at your firm there's been uh, what the discussion has been about maintaining work-life balance when you can't leave the office because it's just down the hall from your bedroom? It's a good question. So when COVID first started back in mid-March when we shut the offices down, our managing partner had a town hall meeting with all of the uh, non-partner attorneys and attorney types at the firm. And he reiterated to everyone that, you know, the expectations, while they wouldn't go down downward in terms of billable targets and billable and non-billable expectations uh, that the partnership had been advised that they needed to be more mindful and respectful of people's home versus the work balance. And to that end, he had another town hall with the partners asking them to be respectful of uh, people's time given the fact that they're not only at home working, but also that they might have children who are learning virtually or providing caregiving uh, opportunities or caregiving services to children and and people who are ill. So what we did is we created uh, some non-billable codes that were specific to COVID. And we asked the attorney types to bill their time to these non-billable codes and Bi-monthly reports are run by our financial services team to allow the management to ascertain uh, people's workload. And if they're uh, you know, having things that are distracting them from putting their whole uh, self into their billable and non-billable work, then there was individual outreach to the people who are having a difficult time making that balance by their partner advisors and by their practice group leaders, by the professional development team to ascertain how we can help them and support them and provide resources that may not be readily available. In addition to that, the practice group leaders and partner advisors were were instructed to uh, really keep an eye open for the people in their groups and their individual advisees to make sure that they weren't burning the candle on both ends, but also treating themselves respectfully and Uh, their families and their other caregiving opportunities, respectfully. So flexibility and um, being forgiving, it sounds like. How how is it working out 
six months into it? I, I think it's working out well. There's, uh, I think the communication is different, obviously, through the virtual uh, platforms by which we're communicating, but I think it's better in many respects, too. We're seeing a lot more pop-up uh, meetings between practice group leaders and their designees, also pop-up meetings between partner mentors and peer mentors and the people that they're mentoring or advising. How about at your law firm at, uh, at McDowell, Hetherington, Amy? I think about some of the things Tim mentions in terms of communication and flexibility. And I have been really proud about what we've done at McDowell Hetherington and what I've seen other firms doing right now, especially in support of parents with school-aged children at home or people who have other pressures throughout the workday. I think the firms that continue to be flexible, that continue to meet every person where they are at that time and be real cognizant of everyone's situations being not only personalized, but fluid. They are changing, and I am so proud that our law firm has um, viewed itself as a partner in finding solutions for each person and each person's challenges as they come about, and that takes an open and honest and direct communication plan, and it takes both parties being willing to be flexible but be creative. I've really look to these other firms who have seen do great things like bring in organizations to coach parents and provide concierge support, identifying caregivers for people as needed. I've seen benefits teams put great resources and other helpful tools together to push out to the employees. But I really think the keys and that what we've been employing or trying to employ are the honest and direct communication lines, creating a working plan um, with the working parents and um, communicating to everyone about limitations and how we can overcome them together. And just staying mindful of people's school schedules and giving people as advanced, much advanced notice as they can as possible. I think those have been critical steps for success. So how does um, leadership help those people then with even in the face of these supports who are struggling to make working from home work out for them? That's a great question. I think there's a lot of articles in the legal publications that I think we've all probably been reading about transparency being the key in terms of what the firm is doing to deal with COVID, first of all, and then sharing that information with personnel. And at Finnegan, we've been lucky to have a, a very transparent managing partner and a very transparent management committee. Uh, we meet with the uh, Anand Sharma, who is our managing partner, has regular town hall meetings via Zoom or WebEx, where he will give brief information about staffing and workflow and firm productivity, as well as what the management committee deliberations are in terms of dealing with COVID on a, a shorter and a long-term basis. That includes everything from uh, the phase one office reopening that we launched in July 6th of this year to hiring and recruiting and letting people know that just because COVID exists, we're not doing away with more long-term strategic initiatives that the firm has implemented, including summer associate hiring, onboarding some new 
employees virtually for COVID, which I think offers that uh, kind of optimism and uh, opportunity to look ahead that people are used to. Uh, other things that leadership can do is to have that level of empathy and understanding with their employees. I was really pleased recently, as last week actually, the chair of our firm sent an email to employees and to attorney types. Uh, for the attorneys and associates, student associates and technical specialists at our firm, the management committee offered a 50-hour billable credit to those who needed to take time for caregiving, very broadly defined to include childcare, helping kids with their virtual learning and virtual schooling, to caring for people who might have uh, suffered some type of illness related to COVID. And I think those long-term initiatives like that, uh, or that understanding and empathy that the leadership can show goes a long way towards longer-term retention and loyalty to the firm, to the firm. which goes to the first question about uh, kind of career development. You want to make sure that you're not just treating this in a silo, COVID, but that you're looking long-term about keeping the keepers. Tim, your managing partner to be commended for that communication and how he has really communicated with the Finnegan employees throughout. I will tell you that our managing partner, David McDowell, got on the phone with everybody, you know, within earshot and looked in the whites of the eyes of all that he could on Friday, March 13th, and told everybody COVID will not be an excuse for anything that we do. But I am here for you every step of the way. And I think care and compassion and empathy and communication starts from the top. And hopefully your managing partner is willing to be that kind of leader. And if not, you need to identify somebody that is and that is comfortable personalizing communications and having an outpouring of empathy um, strewn throughout all of the communications. And one thing managing partners can do is they can model that but they can look to the professional development, diversity and inclusion, women's initiative, human resources, recruiting professionals within firms to help them with these communications or to help them with communication follow-ups or um, long-term action plans to have more touch points and follow-ups with people. And so plugging in those people who may have more ready or frequent ongoing daily communications with the employees be something managing partners can do to, to push the, the day-to-day down, but it, it really needs to start at the top with, we care about you, we care about each other, we're here for each other. And I loved our message. Our employees embraced our message. If COVID will not be an excuse, meaning our client service will not ever fall. Um, however, we're going to be in this together and we're going to get it done together. You have a partnership with us. You have you have a team. One of the great things that has come out of this pandemic is that it feels like we are maybe not in all in the same boat, but we're all weathering the same storm. And so I've noticed that there's a lot more communication, there's more empathy, more sharing. Um, but then on the flip side, we're not face to face anymore. And in the law, collegiality is so crucial. Um, the relationships that we build both within our organization and outside of the organization are absolutely crucial 
So my next question then, and Amy, I'll let you start with this, is how can we then foster collegiality and team building in these really important work relationships when we can't meet face-to-face anymore? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think we have to be deliberate and strategic about continuing to foster the collegiality because like you said, especially in the law, it's so very important. And we have to exercise patience and creativity as we do so. Um, There is such a thing as Zoom meeting fatigue. And I think we've maybe all hit it a while back um, and we continue to push through it right now. But we just have to. We can't throw in the towel because staying connected now is more important than ever before. And um, this is going to continue to go on for a bit. So we need to utilize the great tools we do have at our disposal, like Zoom. Teams, et cetera, and, and laugh through it and just say, we're going to find another way to go about this. We're going to do another trivia night. We're going to another, do another Zoom happy hour where we're just going to have a conversation where I say, how are you really doing? Tell me about your struggle this week. Maybe I have a solution to help. Let's talk about work. Let's talk about a hobby or a pastime. Um, but we just have to be deliberate, strategic, and Patient and creative as ever before, but keep at it because it is so important. It is what instills loyalty. It is what continues to nurture these very important relationships we all have with each other. Sometimes just an outreach of how are you doing today, buddy, makes all the difference in the world. I agree with everything Amy said. We've launched at the beginning of COVID, we launched uh, virtual happy hours that were by seniority level. So we had a senior associate happy hour, mid-level junior associate, and so on. And it was a little bumpy, a little uh, awkward, because people were just staring at the screen with a drink of their choice. But we've continued to do those. We've implemented some activities that kind of go in with the happy hours to include trivia, scavenger hunts, uh, history, trivia, things like that. This fall, we're launching even more, I hope, creative opportunities that are going to engage people as facilitators. For instance, we're asking two senior associates to lead a Thanksgiving side dish cooking class in November. And we'll do a Halloween contest in which we'll ask the attorneys to come themselves, but also to invite any family members who want to dress in costume. And we'll have awards for best kit costume, best attorney costume, best pumpkin carving. Uh, and I think it's, it's not the same because you're not in the same office face-to-face at a reception or at a lunch or a dinner, but people are getting creative with it, and I think they're getting more engaged and used to it. Uh, and we're, as a professional development team, we're just trying to be more creative ourselves as to how we get, get folks engaged. So tell me more about this cooking class. How, how is that going to work? Well, we've, uh, we've had different versions of it. For our all-virtual summer associate program, we had a professional chef-led cooking class, and she gave everyone a recipe. We gave the summer associates and their peer advisors uh, Instacart gift cards to go out and buy their own groceries, and then she focused the the instruction on how to use knives. She's a knife expert, oddly enough. And people really got into it. And 
you know, you have the chat feature on Zoom where people can add comments or commentary, and it ranged from questions and answers to kind of funny things. We had a an associate who lives out in a, on a farm in Virginia who had slaughtered a rooster right before the cooking uh, class to cook for the class. So people got a huge kick out of that. Now these Ernie led cooking classes, I don't know how they'll go, but our vision is for them to identify their favorite recipes, send out the recipes beforehand, and then people will be able to emulate what the instructors are doing in their kitchen. And I think it will be a lot of fun because people will be able to look at their peers and people they look up to and uh, see that kind of peer-led instruction that I think will be even better in some ways than the professional chef-led. Yeah, it's such a humanizing experience. Amy, what about at your firm? Well, I, I love Tim talking about what they're thinking about on the horizon in terms of looking towards the holidays. We did, we had an all virtual summer program as well. And we looked and to see best practices throughout the industry when everyone was trying to scramble and come up with these ideas for engaging socially interactive summer programs. Uh, but we have try to look at meet the need right now. So we similarly are testing a cooking class for parents sending their kids back to school or virtual school where it's the one pot supper dinners. So quick dinners that you can do on the fly while you're juggling kids having remote school in your living room while you're interfacing with a client. Um, and so we're about to roll that out and we think it'll be fun. Our summer program feedback, um, not surprisingly enough, was that the team-oriented things like the escape rooms were the things they liked the most. Um, even if we had a fireside chat about you know, what I wish I would have known when I was a summer associate or mistakes made in the trenches that I've learned from and now I'm this great attorney, um, you know, it wasn't snazzy or glamorous or fun, but they really got to have a real conversation and opportunity to connect with someone. So they really liked that stuff. So I think we're all on the right track. It's fun to share ideas. Um, it's fun to think of new answers on these things as we go into the holidays. This will be great uh, points of outreach with clients as well. And I mean, I think everyone has patience, like we're all doing the best we can. It's the platform we've got to utilize. And so make the best of it. Yeah, that's right. How often are you hosting uh, Zoom cocktail hours or meetups, coffees, et cetera? Now that we're out of the summer program, so we were doing it once or twice a week for five to six weeks, um, at least once a month. But we we have touch points weekly with the employees, whether it's a Friday fun day activity via email and picture sharing. Um, we have things called Friday afternoon meetings, FAMs, meetings for our family. Um, and so minimum once a month, but really trying to keep it the momentum up once a week. About the same for you too, Tim? Yeah, that sounds right. And there's a, a mix up as to configurations of who participates. So uh, Palo Alto office for Finnegan, as an example, has historically had uh, a happy hour called the Puckney's Clause, which is named after one of our current partners out there, where they go out to the Rose Garden at the building and have a happy hour. So they've been having weekly Puckney's Clause uh, gatherings and Boston has bi-weekly meetings, and then the PD team will host things at least twice a month. But uh, I think in the fall, we'll probably be 
looking to have a few more of those, maybe two to three times per month. So are either of you doing law firm events online outside of your own firm? Are you crossing state lines and maybe even country lines? Yes, absolutely. I think Tim can speak to this too. We talk about the silver linings of the pandemic. I think now more than ever before, we all have this, we are one firm, no matter where you are physically located mentality. Um, We've been fortunate to hire approximately 10 attorneys during the pandemic. And we laugh because they're physically sitting in Ohio, Michigan. They have yet to be in the physical space of one of our core offices. And so we laugh that, you know, McDowell Hetherington has now expanded outside of the four states we used to be located in. Um, and it doesn't matter anymore. When you're a practicing attorney at these larger firms, you cross staff on deal teams and you work with people in other offices. But it sometimes takes a while to get integrated and exposed to the people in the other offices. And we that timeline, that on-ramp to have exposure and work together has just really been eviscerated. We are just all in it now. And everything we do, we think of in terms of everybody participating. We have a Halloween contest with kids always included in the Houston office. And the other offices could have their events if they wanted to, but the Houston one was the bigger one, the pictures shared throughout the firm, et cetera. Now that we're going to take this online, like Tim mentioned, there's never a question. It's all, everyone participate. Um, And people have really liked that and certainly have gotten to know each other faster that way. It's funny because before COVID hit, our chief IT officer kept promoting Microsoft Teams as the best thing since sliced bread. And I think he'd repeat it so often during meetings that people would just stop listening and kind of roll their eyes like whatever. But now that COVID hit, everybody's using Teams, not just to do meetings, but to do instant messaging. And I think that communication is a little more immediate and certainly more face-to-face in many respects. A lot of our trainings, a lot of our uh, meetings were held by a video conference prior to that. and it was oftentimes difficult for the speaker. A lot of our trainings are taught by internal members of the firm. The speaker would have a difficult time matching the Q&A or the engagement from the regional offices with what she or he was talking about. And now you can see it firsthand and immediately. So that, that's a definite silver line, I think. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, so lucky for us that if we have to deal with a global pandemic, at least we've got this incredible technology that enables us to keep the show going. Ten years ago, none of this would have been possible, and we all would have just completely shut down and relationships faltered and business gone. Silver linings, like you said. So let's talk then about collegiality outside of the law firm. We touched on lightly that part of the partnership or promotional track for attorneys typically uh, involves developing new business. So how can lawyers do that type of critical outreach to potential clients when we can't meet face-to-face and networking opportunities are at least temporarily curtailed? Tim. Sure. Uh, A couple of notes related to this. So Finnegan has a pretty rich tradition and a longstanding tradition of training its attorneys on how to do business development and marketing. Uh, 
Uh, nine years ago, we launched a senior associate business development training program in which it was a year-long program, is a year-long program, where we have an outside consultant, trainer, coach, teaching the fundamental concepts of business development, co-teaching that with Finnegan Partners about what works best at Finnegan. So we were a bit flummoxed on how to do it in COVID this year because a lot of it's very intensive, face-to-face, deep dive sessions with the trainer and the Finnegan Partners. So what we've done in the training realm is uh, we've launched for the fall uh, a series of online training courses that will be mixed with uh, Teams, Microsoft Teams, check-in with the coaches throughout the fall. And then we'll launch it live in early 2021, all things being as we hope they will be. Uh, It'll just be a modified timeline. But as far as client outreach itself, uh, I've been hearing from a lot of attorneys and from our marketing team that there have been some positive aspects of COVID as well. Uh, CLEs and training opportunities that we've historically offered to clients have become even more prevalent. And I think even for non-Finnegan clients, we're certainly doing it for our existing clients, offering CLE accredited training opportunities for our clients. But outreach to uh, contacts that we want to cultivate in non-Finnegan clients has been easier in many respects because it's as easy as setting up a one hour, one and a half hour training program via Teams. And I think the clients that we've approached have been very happy to participate in that. Uh, So I think it's just a, a little bit different in terms of how you reach out, but it's, it's not presented any obstacles that haven't been insurmountable or that have been insurmountable, I should say. Amy, how about at your firm? Yeah, I think about how do you do critical outreach to potential clients when we can't do the in-person engagement and it goes back to create creatively again, being creative with it. I read an article early on in the pandemic about how many in-house lawyers were working as much as or more than ever before. Their companies weren't shutting down. They were trying to keep their employees on the payroll. They were working harder than ever with more constraints. Sometimes they weren't able to be in their physical offices, et cetera. And I thought, these are our clients or our potential clients. What could our attorneys do to help them at this time when they are really burdened? Well, we can reach out to them and say, I know you're stressed. I know you're tired. How can we meet your needs? Um, Do we need to offer you some legal services for furloughed employees? Have you lost members of your legal team that we can backfill? Um, Just what can we do to assist? Um, Another creative outreach mechanism that attorneys can make to their in-house clients or potential clients is talk to them about endeavoring together for a community service initiative. Say, Hey, I know you used to sponsor this. I know you used to give a lot of support to the food bank that's really meeting societal needs right now, but you may have time, energy, or resources constrained, and you're not able to do your past initiatives in the same way. Can we help? Should we partner together? Is there something we can do together um, to help alleviate some of those burdens and offer our attorneys resources, talents, and time to help carry out these 
previous initiatives that you as a company used to take care of on your own. So that's just in one way. But it's, again, being creative and kind of thinking outside the box. Um, they're trying to keep the lights on and keep the employees able to come into the door, keep the units coming off the manufacturing floor. They're probably not able to find a solution to help support the local food bank like they used to. So how can you be part of those solutions for them to um, create the relationship, have the relationship be ongoing that way? I like what Amy said about offering services to the clients if they're having furlough of employees or downsizes or reductions in their own staffing. We've had a, a virtual secondi throughout all of COVID with one of our key clients, and it has created such goodwill that uh, we're contemplating adding others down the road. And I think it's just a creative, but also an empathetic, use that term, way to do client development these days. This is such a crazy, strange, unsettling time, and it feels like nobody has the answers. So what I've noticed working at NIDA is that people are desperate for solutions, for guidance, and this is a real opportunity to provide leadership. And it sounds like your firms are doing that. I know that at NIDA, a lot of attorneys have never had to do telephonic or video conferencing, take depositions online, go to hearings online. And that is an opportunity for us to provide that kind of education and leadership um, much in the same way that you are too. So you mentioned the food bank, Amy, and Tim, you said something uh, about pro bono initiatives. So I would like to talk then about that and find out how or whether pro bono work still fits in with the modern litigation and trial practice. I believe that it does. I think that just as in-house lawyers are overtaxed and overworked and stressed right now, so are all of the agencies that support those in our communities that are in need. They are overtaxed and they need backup relief and assistance now more than ever. And many of the things they do provide great training and develop opportunities, especially for young litigators. Um, I think that you can couple the needs of these organizations for more manpower with um, the abundance of the social justice causes out there that they're serving and plug yourself right into them. For example, in Houston or in the state of Texas, the evictions dockets have just exploded, as you can imagine. And my firm had not been involved in helping pro bono clients on the evictions docket side in the past. And we said, raise your hand. How can we help? What can we do? We among with lots of other attorneys from lots of other firms, but it's been a great training and development, but also just wonderful human cause of help and empathy outreach uh, for our attorneys who have gone to hearings, who have been advocating for clients, who've been having client interaction, um, who've been staying in front of the changing and ever-evolving laws, and that the county judge puts out one thing when the governor puts out another thing. So it's making them hone all these very important skills that you need to have as a practicing attorney successfully, um, but you're also helping the greater good. And so there is a plethora of things people can be doing like that. So I think pro bono can serve and play a need 
now more than ever. You can also reach out to your county attorney's offices. I think they are understaffed. Um, you know, budgets are just up in arms. And so attorneys employees have been furloughed or out sick with COVID-related illnesses. And um, you know, there is no shortage of a need that needs met right needs to be met right now. I hundred percent agreed. And Pro bono still, and even more so, can present an opportunity to developing attorneys to get that client advocacy and courtroom advocacy experience, even though it's virtual. Uh, it, it depends on jurisdiction, obviously, but some jurisdictions have stayed proceedings or approaching their dockets a little more cautiously than others. So a lot of our attorneys have been using the pro bono programs to bolster their client relation skills as well as their courtroom advocacy skills, which is a good thing. Yeah. And I know that your firm is uh, very much on the forefront of publicizing and working toward pro bono, and you've won a number of awards and community recognition for your outreach. So that's terrific. Thank you. We uh, have, given the, the lateness of our exams this fall. We, like a lot of other firms, have delayed the start of our new associate class until early 2021. And we partnered with one of our primary pro bono program sponsors. We do veteran appeals for veteran claims. And several of our newest associates will be working side by side with that organization during the late fall term to represent veterans in these really important cases. So they'll be bolstering their skills, developing skills that may have been delayed given the, uh, the, the later start date, but we're really excited about that initiative. And doing that kind of community service gets back to the, the reason that so many people end up going to law school in the first place, which is to work toward the greater good. So that's uh, another unexpected silver lining or gift of the quarantine. We've got the opportunity to develop empathy, become part of our community. What else is going on for silver linings at your law firms? I think one of the more important and significant things we've seen as a silver lining is the opportunity to learn, shadow, and kind of view real-time proceedings, real-time client meetings, real-time patent examiner interviews, real-time pitches, because it's much easier to do that virtually than it is if they were traveling to a different court or jurisdiction or traveling to a client site for the pitch. So uh, clients and partners and supervisors have been much more amenable to uh, these shadowing opportunities because it's easy, it's cheap, less expensive, I should say, than it would be in a, in a normal day-to-day -day environment where folks had to travel and pay for the travel expenses that may not be reimbursable or paid by the client. So you're talking about associates just hopping on a Zoom deposition or a patent examiner meeting, that kind of thing, and, and listening and learning. Exactly. And I think it's we have a formal shadowing, pro shadowing program at Finnegan where people can earn up to 50 hours of credit towards a billable target for approved shadowing opportunities. And I think it's raised the recognition and the understanding of that program to 
fewer heights, given the fact that uh, people are taking more advantage of it. So I think that'll serve a long-term benefit to both supervisees and supervisors to understand how the program works and use it when COVID knock on wood is a thing of the past. Amy, anything to add? Yeah, I would just say that tolerance, patience, empathy, understanding towards our coworkers has increased significantly. And that's a good thing, in my opinion. We've had opportunities to truly look out for the fellow man or woman. Um, an example of that, as we've also gotten to know our neighbors some, in some places where we've been physically located, we have a neighborhood text chain of people that were never in each other's phones before, but we had um, a limitation on how much milk you could get at the grocery store at the early stages of the pandemic. So anytime anybody would get out, they would say, does so-and-so have milk in their house because they were elderly and they weren't going out? You know, just checking on people. It was like in practice seeing examples of looking out for your fellow man. And I think that is a wonderful thing. People did spend a little more quality time with family. They were able to slow down, take a breath, not be so very, very, very busy and realize that's what it's like to hit the pause button a little bit and not have to operate at such a high frequency all the time and that it's okay. You can still be a super high powered, successful litigating lawyer and meet all your clients' needs and be the biggest rainmaker and be okay in the pause button for a minute. You're going to be okay. <laughs> when that occurs. Um, so I think those are going to be some other silver linings we see long term. Unfortunately, there have been layoffs throughout this quarantine, the pandemic. And so for those listeners who may have experienced layoffs or furloughs, I wonder if you have any advice for them to look for a new job and get their career rebooted. Sure. One way to prevent yourself from being in a layoff situation is to make yourself indispensable to either a client or someone who is indispensable to a client and has that business client relationship established. And I had, you know, if you haven't been able to do it and you find yourself in a position of being furloughed, make the best use of the downtime as possible in terms of stay current on all your CLEs. Examine whether there's a niche practice you need to learn more about in this climate, for instance, something like bankruptcy. Get admitted to the courts that you feel like you need to be admitted in. Um, and then start doing the outreach of how can you help somebody else, not for the purpose of them reciprocating and offering you a job, but genuinely helping them. They will be invested in you and they will want to help you in return, which may lead to employment on down the line. So are they writing an article that they need some help with research on? Did they want to put together a CLE for a client that they just never had the time to do so and still don't? And how can you offer to assist with that? Um, that's back to the creativity, but make use of it, stay relevant, and do the best that you can to network in every way possible. Great. Tim. Sure. When, when this started, uh, my managing partner asked me to put together kind of a, a laundry list of things people should be doing to 
make themselves visible internally and relevant internally. And I'll just touch on a few of those. I think the most important thing is, and I put this at the end of the list, but I think it's super important even today, uh, you know, maintain a positive and upbeat outlook. And you know, we talked about don't be an energy taker, but be an energy giver. Uh, always put yourself out there as being a team player and being willing and able to take on whatever needs to be taken on to help for the, the, the firm navigate this and come out of it healthy and whole. But the other things included, uh, if you're updating your supervisors and your mentors and your practice group leader regularly, and that not just through the form of emails, but also through phone calls or virtual meetings, uh, volunteer regularly to participate in knowledge management. We have a big knowledge management initiative at the firm in which we're collecting best practices in terms of uh, pleadings and complaints and uh, office actions and so on and housing them in a, a central database. So it's kind of like creating a big FAQ on, on different aspects of practice. Right. And not only volunteering, but hopefully taking on a leadership role as, as necessary and as needed and as, as possible. Participating in practice group meetings and trainings as much as possible, but not passively, but to become an engaged, active participant in those meetings. And that can be asking questions. It can be volunteering to put together the presentation that's made at a particular practice or section group meeting. Uh, I think trying to take the onus off partners as much as possible. And we talked about things such as volunteering to transcribe pertinent notes during an important client meeting or during a pitch meeting or uh, and then billing your time for the shadowing program code. We have marketing team liaisons at the firm for each of the practice areas. And so we encourage everyone to reach out to their marketing team liaison immediately after the COVID started to identify things they could participate in. That could be preparing pitch materials, helping prepare a CLE for clients new and existing, co-authoring articles and blogs. There's always an endless host of opportunities for non-billable work and you know, getting involved those, in those types of things. Pro bono was another thing that we extolled. And I think the bottom line was to have a full bucket contribution at the end of the day. So if your billable hours should dip, uh, because of COVID, then be able to point to your total contribution as being close or to or exceeding, hopefully, the, the billable target. And by total contribution, that includes billable time, but also what we call significant non-billable time. And those are just the activities I mentioned, the, the marketing, the DD uh, activities, and so on. And I think people have taken that to heart for the most part and really dug in and tried to make themselves visibly present internally and externally. I think it's worked pretty well. Yeah, those are really terrific suggestions, Tim. Bottom line is this is no time to be a shrinking violet. So we are getting close to the end here. My last question of, of substance is that uh, we have seen that we can all work from home and be productive and make important contributions to our organizations and our teams and hopefully to our communities at large. So my last question is, what is the future for virtual law firms? Tim. 
Well, that's a good question. I think the answer from Finnegan's perspective is, is still TBD. Uh, I think it will change the complexion of how our office and real estate footprint looks necessarily, because I think people are realizing that we can do it, number one, and do it pretty effectively, i.e. work remotely. Uh, I don't think that Finnegan will ever be a, a 100% virtual firm. And I would be surprised if a lot of firms go to a full virtual footprint. Because as we talked about and touched on earlier, one of the, the most important aspects of a, a law firm, a vibrant, vibrant law firm, is that sense of unique culture and identity. And I don't think that can necessarily be uh, accomplished in a 100% virtual environment. Uh, we just had a meeting today with the practice group leaders, our managing partner, the chair of our firm. It's a monthly meeting we have. And uh, one of the things the partners will be talking at their virtual, talking about the virtual partner retreat in October is what does Finnegan want to be when COVID is over? And I think there was universal consensus that Yes, we may look at our lease uh, of physical space differently. We might have office sharing opportunities down the road, but we still want to have that face-to-face -face interaction with everyone as much as we can, be it a hybrid approach, i.e. part virtual, part in person, but uh, we still want to have that physical aspect and that physical interaction. And that ranges from how to learn and develop as an attorney, but also developing those core friendships and relationships that make it a strong organization. So I doubt we'll go 100% virtual. Yeah, well, we miss each other. We're social creatures and we, we need human contact. But at the same time, it's great to have options and this new kind of flexibility that frankly, all families have needed for a long time. That's a good part of this is you know, I think even the most uh, antiquated approach of the more senior partners has been necessarily abolished and kind of put to the side because of COVID. Because you know, in the old days there were some partners that thought that you had to have this face time. And I think this has kind of eradicated that completely from the conversation, which is good. Well, I can't agree with Tim more, and I believe what he has seen and witnessed and observing right now is going to be the main consensus we're experiencing as well. Uh, we do want to be back together. What do we want to be after this? We want to be tolerant, of have more flexibility, utilize the resources available to us, but we want to be back together. We're a business of people, of like-minded people that do value congeniality. and so. I agree. I don't think the majority of us will go all virtual. I did want to share with you as somebody who has hired and brought people on during the pandemic, and I mentioned 10 plus attorneys. We talked about maybe see, talking to people who are facing a layoff situation. One thing that I have observed people do really well in networking and searching for jobs right now is their homework. Maybe they have more time to do it and do it really well. The research and homework and of our hires, the majority have reached out to somebody they didn't have an established firm connection with, but some sort of connection. Oh, you went to American University as well. 
oh, I see you also clerked for judge so-and-so. And we were right behind each other there in that court. And people have been more than willing to talk to those people. And those have differentiated the candidates and more often than not been the people that we've hired because it showed the initiative that they were willing to take, the research they were willing to do about our firm. And um, if you find yourself, because it's something we talked about, so I wanted to share it, prepping for remote interviews, I just advise you to do so the same way you would an actual interview and then some. So research the organization, all the players, make the personalized outreach like our candidates did, if able, be prepared with good questions and practice answers to the behavioral questions always because the behavioral interviews are what exists and are the norm now and practice in front of a video camera. Um, we loved participating in this NETA podcast, but we had to practice utilizing the technology and working with each other. And um, it may seem tedious and laborious, but do it. Go ahead. You'll be more comfortable and do dress professionally, even though you are over um, a camera platform. Go ahead and do that and address technology challenges up front. And I would say last but not least, have a sense of humor. Be as flexible as possible. And if you can exhibit mercy to the person interviewing you, they will probably exhibit mercy towards you and a cat or a dog or a child running in the background. Um, if you're willing to, to laugh and have flexibility about it, they probably most likely will be too. And it's harder to do, but watch for the unspoken cues. Um, you can't just read them in the voice anymore, but you have a face-to-face interaction. Try to keep eye contact. And body language is just as important through the camera screen as it is in person. So if you find yourself in remote interviews, virtual interviews, I hope these tips are helpful to you. But I know you can get hired. And the positive attitude that Tim mentioned, do the best that you can to maintain it. And if you're having a low, bad day and you can't get there, reach out, phone a friend who boosts your positive attitude to help you because you can repay the favor, I promise. Awesome advice, Amy. Thank you so much. What a great positive note to end this interview with. Now it's time for our signature sign-off question. And for the past year, I've asked people, how would you spend a million bucks? And I noticed that everybody had the same answer. They would travel. And now travel, of course, is off the docket for all of us. So I'm just going to cut to the chase. And I want to ask you both, and I'll start with you, Tim. What vacation are you dreaming of right now? Uh, Going to Spain with my family. We were slated to go this past summer. And then COVID came along and we rescheduled it to 2021. So dreaming of it, hoping for it, keeping my fingers crossed. What were some of the places you were hoping to go to? We've not been before. So we're going to some of the more visited sites, Seville, uh, Madrid, and Barcelona. Nice. All right, 2021. How about you, Amy? Well, I've long been an HGTV the home and garden television channel fan. And um, I know our friends from the North had the privilege of being able to watch the Canadian brethren named Brian and Sarah Baumler um, film what's called Renovation Island long before we had that show in North America. But during the pandemic, I got obsessed with watching that show and seeing their progress and their trials and tribulations 
in bringing an abandoned Bahamian resort back to life. And so I can't wait to visit the resort. The show's called Renovation Island. It's on, um, the resort's called Cerulamar. It's on South Andros. This is not an advertisement for HGTV or the Bomblers or the resort. I just appreciated the trials and tribulations. Um, they went through a hurricane that is not unknown to us down here in Houston, Texas. And then, of course, right when they were set to open, uh, we had the pandemic, which hit the entire travel industry uh, right in the gut. And so when I can travel again, I want to go sit on a Bahamian beach at the resort um, and feel like I'm part of their TV show. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, Amy. Well, that sounds like a uh an amazing show to watch and an amazing vacation. And I hope you get to take it. So here's to all of us having a happy and healthy and well-traveled 2021. So that is a wrap for today's episode. Tim and Amy, thank you so much for sharing the wealth of your insights and your experience. Not every organization has the benefit of having a team in-house that is strictly devoted to steering their legal staffers in the right direction for professional growth and navigating the challenges that may pop up along the way, such as, oh, I don't know, a global pandemic. And so it is my hope that what you listeners have heard today will help you not just survive, but perhaps even thrive during this peculiar time in our history. Please be sure to check the show notes for information about the things that we discussed in this episode. And while you're there, hit any of the links to subscribe to May the Record Reflect to ensure that you never miss another episode. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on our website at nita.org under the Contact Us tab. May the Record Reflect is a NIDA Studio 71 production. 